The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Stephen Mercer, and I'm an independent college counselor with helping students and families apply to college. And I'm an instructor in the College Counseling Certificate Program at the University of California, San Diego Extension. And I'm here today to talk with Dr. Mark Salisbury, who's has a remarkable background in higher education, and in particular in looking carefully at how college pricing is uh, a challenge these days, and has thought about some real creative ways to try to help students, families, counselors, and colleges come up with some better ways to figure out how to make college affordable for more people. So Dr. Salisbury, I'm really grateful to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. So. Dr. Salisbury, Mark, can I ask you just to tell us a little bit about your background in higher ed? Because I think it's really interesting and you have a, a real significant um, years of experience on, on a ver- variety of roles in higher education. Sure. I really have spent of, you know, almost 25 years now in higher ed. Um, the first half of my career, I was in college athletics. I was a soccer coach. And uh, as a part of that work, I worked with admissions almost daily. I switched over to admissions full-time for several years and then took a bit of a break and went back and did a PhD on studying how college students learn, college access issues, and how college works or doesn't work for students. After that, I spent the next decade or so uh, as a researcher, a consultant, and a director of institutional research and assessment, which is the long title for the person at an institution who knows all the numbers and reports them to everybody that wants them. Yeah. I know from my days as a graduate student, getting my doctorate, the Office of Institutional Research was um, important, right? In an understated <laughs> yeah. way. There's a lot of, lot of good things going on there. So it's, fasc- it's a fascinating role to have in a university. Yes, um, thank you. So you and I have both been involved in higher education for a long time. And I think we, in some ways, we have some overlaps in the kinds of roles and, and, and um, operations that we've um, observed, but we also have some different experiences. And yet, even though we've had a lot of different roles and, and observed different things, I think we're noticing something common and that's around college pricing, both how the institutions price themselves and whether that's working for the colleges themselves and also how that's really, really impacting students and families, uh, probably in a pretty challenging and often negative way. Uh, and we seems probably to both of us that the college pricing system is somewhat broken. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree wholeheartedly. Um, it's a problem that uh, every player in this marketplace, the colleges themselves, the public, the students and families, the counselors, anybody trying to provide guidance, um, simply cannot find out with certainty what an individual's actual price is going to be. And that creates a tremendous problem for the public, but it creates a tremendous problem for institutions when they're trying to attract students, and especially when they're trying to compete by offering a better price. Right. It seems as though college pricing and the prospect of applying, choosing, and looking at how much the college will cost is very different that almost every other kind of um, large kind of financial decision that students and families make in our society today, uh, for example, compared to right, like buying a house or buying a car or entering into some other, you know, important 
um, expensive proposition, more or less prices are known and prices are not known clearly with students moving through the process of choosing colleges. And I see that mostly from the student side. I think you're saying also on the institution side, on the college side, that's not exactly a good thing for them either. You're right. And it really is an interesting switch from several decades ago when the sticker price at most institutions was the price that most students paid. And so that was a way that the public could determine whether it was a school they could afford and the institutions could determine whether they were competitive with whoever they chose to be competitive with. Uh, But over several decades, the pricing really shifted in the way that institutions perceived uh, what it was supposed to do. And underneath that then created a far larger, more expansive way of providing financial aid and changing what the sticker price was to the actual price that students paid. And as a function of that, the public still left with, well, what's my price going to be? Because the decision process is a multi-phased process. Right. You narrow from several thousand institutions to a group of 50 or 20, and you finally narrow down to the institutions you're going to apply to. Well, at each of those stages now, it's really important to know, is this a school that I could ultimately afford to go to or not? Used to be you could do that. Now you really can't. Yeah. Well, so why, you know, I and families and students and so many people have noticed over the last two, three decades, a very significant year, almost yearly increase in the cost of college tuition. Significant, creeping up every single year, not in a subtle way. And it seems like sticker price for private universities and even for state universities is quite extraordinary, right? Why is that? So why do you think that's happening? And I mean, there might be some obvious answers to this, but why is that a problem? What are the problems (laughs) that you see beyond just, you know, on the surface? Sure. Well, it it really became over the past several decades where uh, institutions shifted from thinking about price as signaling a very pragmatic, this is what it's going to cost. And you then as a consumer decide whether it's a school you can afford or not. Shifting from that to institutions trying to convey their quality and oftentimes conveying their quality to multiple constituencies, only one of which is the public. The other constituencies are each other and their alumni and potentially uh, wealthy donors. And so when price went from trying to convey what it would actually cost to just a sort of abstract sense of quality, that's fine for some of those other constituencies, but it's not fine for the public. And so when the sticker prices keep going up and up and up, much of that is a function of the institution saying, well, so-and-so raised their price, so we have to raise ours. So we have to raise ours. And it becomes this giant game of keep up with the Joneses. The underneath is that the institutions all say, well, we can give out a whole bunch of financial aid in whatever form we want to call it to eventually get to what the price is that the public will pay. So that sticker price really starts to become entirely abstract from the perspective of the institution. Unfortunately, that's not the case for the public. Right. I think you had mentioned to me previously that 
the the percentage of students coming into the into college that are pay, actually paying sticker prices really quite low. Tell us a little bit it more is, about that. It's it's uh, it has gone from something where maybe seventy five percent of students paid the sticker price forty years ago hmm. to now only about ten percent of students across all students going to college are paying the sticker price. Ninety percent of college students are paying something less than that. Right. The problem is that that something less than that has gone from a pretty small amount of money off of a sticker price to anything from a couple of thousand dollars off of a $75,000 sticker price to a full scholarship. Right. So $75,000 off of a sticker price. And for an individual, those numbers are just nonsensical, right? I, I need to know where my price is going to be in the middle of all that right. across all of the institutions that I choose to look at. Right. So telling you the average price that the discount would be at institution X or Y, once the barriers, once the two sort of borders, the zero on one end and the high sticker price went almost getting close to $100,000 a year now, that's a big space in the middle. And it's just not tenable for the public to say, well, somewhere in the middle is fine. Right. <laughs> it's a big, still a really big price tag if it's somewhere right. in the middle still. Right. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? Because you're, you're not just observing and researching these things. You've, you've really kind of decided that you're going to try to change some things here. Tell us, tell us about that. Well, it was very interesting early on as I was looking at, you know, sitting in my office as an institutional researcher, looking at some of these big problems and just wondering how in the world can we fix this stuff? And knowing from higher education's perspective, um, there's a lot of wonderful, incredibly good people working in higher education, but the systems oftentimes got them in a position where they can't make the changes that they know that they need to make. Hmm. And Higher education is in this place where they know their prices have gone over the moon and they know they need to change it, but individuals can't seem to step up and just make a change. And so uh, it just struck me that the way to fix this might be that we have to step outside of, of higher education to do it. And happened to read an article about how some of the early internet companies disrupted the car industry where they just asked people, what was the price that you paid for that car? And then called it into headquarters and they published it online. Hmm. And it struck me, you know what? Those actual prices aren't hidden in a vault somewhere. They're in the millions of award letters that students receive every year, or they get on their portals now. And uh, why couldn't we just share them all to a central location? Hmm. And if we could protect individual identity and ensure that we're not going to turn around and sell people's personal information so that their the trust uh, factor would be respected, maybe we could build a giant data set, a giant Kelly Blue Book, if you will, of college prices hmm. that then the public could use to see what are the prices that a student like me is being offered at a range of other institutions. And so instead of trying to predict your price, we could just show you what other people are being asked to pay. And then you as a consumer 
could make the choices that are better informed and best for you. It's a really um, simple and substantive idea, right? As a, as well, a, as a way to get you. out. Um, so we started Tuition Fit a couple of years ago and just asked people, would you be willing to share? And people were willing to do so. Even if they thought, well, I, I, there's not enough data in here yet to help me, but I'll gladly contribute because it'll help somebody else. And the data set grew. Yeah. So is it at the point where you feel like it's being helpful to people or is it still building the data set? Well, it is. We are certainly at a place where we are very helpful to a lot of people. Okay. For most students that come on to Tuition Fit, we have a sort of free exchange premise where if you have an award letter and you share it to Tuition Fit, you get to see all of the comparison data that students like you have received for free. Okay. And for most students who come onto the platform now, they're seeing between 50 and several hundred offers that other students have shared. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the precise institution that they want to know about is in that data set, but that's not really our goal. Our goal is give the public, give people context so that they can determine whether the offer that they've received or another school that they're considering uh, is actually offering something that they perceive as a good value. Okay. So you're reaching out to individual students and families. Are you working with institutions? Are you working with schools? Are you reaching out to counselors? You know, what is that looking like? Who else is willing? Because this information is in a lot of places, right? Right. Well, it's been a, it, it has been a real interesting uh, experience because on the level of high schools, uh, independent counselors, community-based college access organizations, uh, even a whole subset of financial planners that work in the college planning space. Yeah. Uh, all of those folks struggle with the same problem, and they're trying desperately to provide good guidance to the families and students they're working with. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more frustrating and heartbreaking than a student who's really got themselves excited about an institution. It looks like a great fit. Uh, you think it might be in your price range. You apply, you spend the money to apply, you get a letter of acceptance, and then you get a financial aid offer, and that price is nowhere close to where it needs to be. Right. Um, that's a horrible experience for the family and for the counselor. Oh, yeah. And so what we've been able to do is to create a way for counselors to use the tool for free to link with their students and then sort of see over their virtual shoulder. Okay. And then for a subscription price, the counselors can subscribe to the data set and search it themselves and see at any time a student with this sort of need and merit profile is getting what kind of prices from which kinds of institutions. Got it. So this is, you know, a project that sounds like it's, it's a, it's a long-term project, right? This isn't just trying to gauge what's happening tomorrow, but it's gotta be over time, um, as you know, as an institutional researcher, having familiarity with data, the deeper you can and more integrity you can put to your data, the stronger the results. Could I ask, though, because this is on somebody's people's minds with what you're doing with Tuition Fit and just your observations in general, mm -hmm. what are you noticing right now with COVID and the pressures that colleges are on? Is there sh they're making moves, changes to their pricing 
is something different happening for students right now? You know, it's a, that's a great question, and I know it's on everybody's mind. And um, the answer is, is that, yes, there are all kinds of things happening at various institutions. Unfortunately, all of that noise together is just getting louder, but it's not many more clear. So you have, uh, and you probably saw this or heard about it last year, there were a number of institutions that started to increase the award packages that they would offer to students as the spring turned to summer and they were desperate to try to make their class. Um, but then there were other institutions that did not do that. Right. Um, there are plenty of institutions now that are looking at this next year and saying, um, we really do need to increase our discount rate and give much more aggressive scholarships this year because we need to get a class. There are other institutions, though, who are saying um, we can't afford to give another discount rate like we gave last year. So we're going to have to be much more strict about maintaining, uh, even if that means not having as many students. Okay. And what that means collectively is. Um, yes, there's all kinds of movement and there's all kinds of interesting things happening. And there's a few schools that were looking at a tuition reset, which just means they brought their sticker price way down and then made their financial aid smaller so that their actual price stayed about the same. But all of that collectively still doesn't really do much for the public because nobody can tell you which schools are doing which things. Right. Yep. So... You know, what advice do you, do you have for students who are right now, you know, the mm -hmm. students that are kind of coming up the pipeline, applying yeah. to college or students that are in college, right? Still struggling, thinking about how they're going to pay for this. The remain, their remaining years, you know, looking at job markets. What's your, what's your short-term advice for students when it comes sure. to navigating this broken system? <laughs> well, for the, the students who are in college, um, I think, one of the things that's really important for them to realize is that um, they there's a lot of options to bundle educational experiences together hmm. so that they can take some courses online. They can take some courses in the summer. They can pull courses from other institutions that then they can transfer in. And all they really need to do is have conversations with that institutions, their home institutions, registrar's office and their advising office before they enroll in some of these other courses to ensure that those things will transfer in the right places at those institutions. But as long as the student does that, there are a number of ways for them to save some money on college and still end up with the degree from the institution that they wanted to get that degree from. For students who are in the process of seeking college right now, they're maybe rising seniors and there's all kinds of uncertainty and worry about everything from test scores to essays to you name it, right? Um, the biggest thing that, that I think has been helpful and, and the, big, the most important thing that I would say to students is let's zoom out for a second and remember something really, really important. The whole goal, the whole reason you're doing this and looking at going to college and planning on going to college, the whole reason isn't to get accepted somewhere or to show up somewhere on the first day. The whole reason you're doing it is that you will graduate from college. And after college, you have the broadest range of opportunities available to you 
And you can take any of them because you have no constraints holding you back. And that means you have to have learned a lot. You have to have grown up a lot. You have to have integrated your learning between co-curricular and curricular experiences. But you also have to come out of college with very little debt so that you are able to take that job with a startup somewhere halfway across the country that's not going to pay very much but could change the world so that you could go and volunteer so that you could do something that really fires your passion that's the reason why you're going to college is that outcome on the other end and when you think about it that way and everything we know about college student success what really drives that outcome is what you do when you're in college not the name of the college that you're at. And everybody who's in college will tell you they know kids at that school that are brilliant, they're doing amazing things, and they know kids at that school who are pretty much knuckleheads. Right. So with that in mind, I think it helps students sort of reframe and realize they have a lot of control over the outcome in their lives right now, mm -hmm. and far more control than I think a lot of society sort of suggests to them when they start reading about going to college and the college search and, oh boy, what if I don't get into school X or school Y? And all of those things that I think are really harming a lot of young people and families. Yeah. There's so many, there's so much evidence, you know, that both you and I have come across from, again, from different aspects that keeps telling us as educators that it's not about the prestige of an institution that you graduate from. It's about the effort that you put in when you're there and there's, there's good studies that tell us that you can go to college if you have a mentor, if you involve in, get yourself involved in a project, if mm -hmm. you um, volunteer and get an internship of some sort, your outcomes will be equal almost across the board, no matter the institution you go to. Absolutely. And there's so much anecdotal evidence that we know, not to mention the, the mental health concerns of students really right. being um, unhealthy in, in some of their, their pressure to right. try to attend certain schools, something we come across a lot. Yeah, there's 40 years of research on this stuff. And, you know, it it may be the sort of nerdy research that I love to dive into that you read as a graduate student, but it holds up. And 40 years of research says the same thing, right. is that students actually really have a lot of control over their outcome based on what they choose to do and how they choose to engage it while they're in college. Got it. So Dr. Salisbury, um, do you have a call to action, a, a final call to action for students, for counselors? You know, what, what do you want students to do with tuition fit? Well, students, one, why would you look at colleges without knowing what those prices are? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know anybody who would do that just because why wouldn't you want to know? Um, I would suggest come to tuitionfit.org, create an account and use the tool. It will give you far more information about the context in which your offers sit. It'll allow you more information on how you might appeal or negotiate. And frankly, you'll just be much more confident in the ultimate choice that you make because you'll know that the grass on the other side of the fence is whatever color it is. For counselors, I think using Tuition Fit with your students allows you to have really interesting conversations that you have a harder time having. One of the things that we've seen with counselors is when students and their parents are able to see the actual prices at the beginning of the process, the students and the parents start to talk about cost and value 
And for the rest of that college search, they're on the same page. Instead of being on opposite sides of that kitchen table arguing because the kids fallen in love with that dream school and the parents know they probably can't afford it, but they don't want to break their student's heart and they have a harder time talking about financial issues openly. Tuition Fit has created a way for families to completely avoid that um, that line that mind minefield, which I think is a real problem in the in the search problems for families. So it allows everyone to I think have a much more sophisticated and better outcomes in this search. And then lastly, I would say um, we have an opportunity to solve a problem that's been driving us crazy for several decades. We can fix the college pricing transparency problem ourselves simply by sharing data and creating a data set, yeah. a tuition fit. And I think that if we as a profession can give that to society, I think this profession has done something utterly remarkable um, that could give the the chance for the profession of people who counsel students through this process to really earn the respect that they deserve already. Yeah. Um, and I, I think really doing something important for our society matters. Dr. Salisbury, thank you. This has been fascinating. Good luck. Um, thank you. I look much. forward to staying in touch with you and hearing how things develop. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.